Welcome to the Technesthetic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is Randy. Uh, welcome to week three, episode three of the podcast. We got a couple good, cool topics for you today. We got uh, Samsung removes ads from native apps on uh, on Android. Interesting. We got a T-Mobile data breach to talk about. We got uh, the M1X MacBooks rumored coming in November. We got Windows 11 discussion, and we want to talk about Cyberpunk 2077. So Hitting the bargain bin, dude. Bargain bin, dude. Not yeah. surprised. Uh, let's talk about the first topic. Samsung removes ads from their native apps. Uh, for those that aren't aware, Samsung has included ads in their native apps for some time. Uh, I know we just, you know, we were rocking Samsung phones prior, and if you were using any of the Samsung apps, uh, they uh, were not afraid to run ads, uh, not run ads, but have like banner type ads in their apps. So, what do you got to yeah, say about this? Uh, some time. Uh, it's kind of a big change for me. It's a big deal. Uh, as someone who, you know, spends $1,000 and up on a phone or a device, it's kind of it's unfortunate when you see ads in your native apps on your phone. Like, imagine those of you who have an iPhone out there and opening up Apple weather and seeing an advertisement for sneakers, because that's the reality on the Samsung weather app up until now. Yeah. Up, up until, until now. now. So it's kind of nuts. Uh, Cause I, I'm, I'm the same. Like if I pay for something, I absolutely hate ads, um, you know, in, true, embedded. True. And it, this goes for anything, like not just apps, but like video games, like video games have been a, a guilty of this as well. Like you yeah. buy a triple a, title you spend like 60 maybe you buy the deluxe 70 dollars and now they're throwing ads in the games like they're kind of sneaking them in too uh they're putting them in billboards and games and other things and like that kind of just uh i don't like it i don't like it yeah Um, completely on that one when i was younger and like i would see ads for like mountain dew and video games i was like oh that's cool it adds a level of realism yeah some games it's not so bad it's like i know what you're doing there for the most part like ads just kind of make me mad at this point like i'm kind of triggered like i'm somebody that in my browser you know i run like the uh ublock origin plugin the extension i think we both have pie holes as well Uh, and we run pie holes so if you don't have a dns black hole pie holes awesome right uh, Fantastic. it basically is like an ad block for your whole house. So I run Piho. I love it. Uh, so I, I'm kind of like trying to get ads out of my life, you know? So the fact that Samsung kind of like put them in their apps, just like, it just kind of felt crappy. Like you go from an iPhone, right? And Apple's really good. They don't, they don't advertise to you like at all. Uh, no, no way. No. To me, it's just like a- going to going from like an iPhone to Samsung. It's like, Oh God, like this, it just makes me upset. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But, you know, having a Samsung television and I know you have some Samsung uh, other products as well. I'm kind of hoping that they'll kind of follow suit where like the phone may be the first step. Yeah. And then, you know, they they may realize that people who spend $5,000 plus on a television probably don't need to see an ad. I'm glad you brought that up, dude. Isn't that stupid that their TVs like, like, I okay, so I have a Samsung TV, but I can't really, I turn off all the smart features because I know... So as soon I. as you so turn I. on the smart features on the TV, that's when you'll get the ads and stuff. Like you have to agree to their terms of service and all this other stuff, and then they'll serve you ads. But if you're just like, no, I don't want to use your smart TV functions, I'll use it like in an Apple TV or like you'll buy an NVIDIA Shield or a Chromecast or something. You can, you you know, bypass that stuff. But yeah. the fact that if you want to use Samsung smart features, 
you're going to get their ads. It's That's a like, really good point too, you know, and uh, I personally use an Apple TV yeah. for multiple reasons. One, bit rate, but most importantly, my entire library is there. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who have a Samsung TV, I can speak to this because it's what, it's what I use personally. Right. If you opt out of the, uh, of the smart features on the television, you also opt out of software updates as well but only over-the-air software updates. So what you can do is you can go online and just put on a USB drive and then upload your TV that and uh, update your TV that way. Yeah. So if you're someone like me who absolutely hates ads, uh, there are workarounds out there to kind of alleviate yeah. the headaches that ads give you. You know, I'll say this, though. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to mobile ads, like you'd think Piehole would be better at blocking like uh, like Android ads and stuff like a lot of a lot of ads on android are going through google right so you'd think like okay my pie hole has all this stuff in there to block them but like they still somehow manage to to worm their way in like i don't know if they're bypassing dns or what <laughs> yeah i i've noticed that too yeah uh, i've alleviated most of them by 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 doing uh registry tweaks on, on piehole okay uh i did find a way because i'm a big uh as you probably know from the previous episodes i i love my ipad and 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 it is my life companion and one of the you know main reasons why <laughs> it's I do your like baby that. dude yeah dude you know, like yeah. one of the main reasons why i like that is apple news apple news has ads in it believe it or not uh, paid subscription, nine ninety nine a month. Apple News still has third party advertisements all over it. You can block those with Piehole. If I view Apple News from my house, it's it, it's it's this it's the cleanest, cleanest news experience you'll ever get. Uh, and if anyone's interested, I can send uh, Eric what, what what you add to Piehole to block ads in Apple News. That's nutty, dude. I didn't know you could do yeah. that. So. So, yeah, I mean, you can a lot of times if you have control over DNS, uh, you can do stuff. You can block stuff. If you run uh, extensions like you block origin or similar, you can block ads. But a lot of times if they're embedded into apps, uh, yeah, unless you're running a, a DNS black hole of some sort, like they're going to get yeah. you. And, you know, Samsung, I mean, this is a good move because, like, were they really get, getting revenue move. from these ads? Like, uh, I don't know, probably not. Not like a ton of revenue. So, like, to me, it's a big deal. Like, I, I'm, it's just, like, a huge thing. Like, if they're going to compete with Apple, they got to respect their customers like Apple does in that respect. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it totally does. It totally does. I mean, you know, coming back full circle, as someone who doesn't like ads, every yeah. time I picked up or, or purchased a Samsung phone, the first thing I would do is find a different weather app. Not yeah. because Samsung Great weather point. was bad or, you know, gave me false information. It, it, it was literally just ad-ridden. Yeah. And... You know, when you spend twelve hundred dollars, fourteen hundred dollars, seventeen hundred dollars on a phone, it's kind of a bummer to open up a native app that comes on your phone and see yeah. and, and, and get advertised for it. It's like, didn't you get enough money from me? Yeah, I really you don't know? tolerate ads. So, so, like any of the Samsung apps, I I rarely would use. Like, I think I used their health app because I had the uh, Galaxy Watch Three. Yeah, and like it just integrates well with it. Mm. Um, but other than that. Um, I was like, I'm not using any of the Samsung apps whatsoever. Yeah. In fact, most of the time, like native apps like that, I consider basically bloat. Uh, like Samsung apps point. on Samsung that's a, phones. That's a good point. Uh, even Google apps on Google phones, like some of them are pretty good, but like uh, and and probably actually decent. But like I, even then, like I'll go for a third th- party solution. 
uh, a couple apps, like on the iPhone, I do use their weather app. It's just, I don't know, it's just clean, and it doesn't bother me any. Well, um, I will tell you right now if I knew where my phone was. Uh, iOS 15, I don't know if you remember going back maybe two years now, there used to be a weather app called Dark Sky. Yeah. The, the black background with the Everyone blue, liked Dark Sky. The blue uh, like little raindrop on it. Yep. Well, Apple bought Dark Sky, I think back in 2018, 2019. Yeah, don't yeah, don't yeah, quote yeah. me on the year. But they've done nothing with it. Yeah, until I iOS 15. So now uh, with iOS 15, they finally have all of the dark sky features in app. Oh, interesting. So, interesting. So, so, so now if I scroll through here, you, you can, can see, see all the cool stuff. Is all this, of the cool stuff. This is different sky. than mine, right? Like, right, could, are right. you on it's, the beta? Yeah, this is iOS 15. So oh, this is yeah. totally redone for iOS 15. Yeah. So it has it has all of those neat features that everyone loved from Dark Sky just built right in the app now. It's about time they use that. Um, so like I, I did use a couple. Have you ever used Carrot before? I used Carrot. Uh, Carrot's know. pretty accurate. Uh, it, it, it just looks a little too cartoony for my take. It is a little um, bit, but it's so, kind of charming in that way. So my go-to uh, for 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 what weather widgets actually, which I think is even better than the actual weather app that yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that Apple puts out, is Hello Weather. So that's my little widget up there in the top, and then uh, I use the actual Apple Weather app for when I'm looking for more yeah, information. Yeah. So I basically just have Hello Weather for for a for a widget now, yeah, and it yeah. kind of works pretty well. That's cool. Uh, that's but, cool. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things where the default app were good enough, primarily because they didn't have ads. In. Yeah, because for the most part, it's like, okay, weather, dude, just tell me what the temperature is. Is it going to rain? Like, what's the five-day forecast? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. really, like, what's go the into it. Like? Yeah, exactly. I need to know, like, can I plan my weekend around it? And, like, you know, why would I use an app that is going to feed me ads when I could just get, like, a third-party one with ease uh, that doesn't? And that actually respects me enough to not serve me ads, you know? So it's like, you know, are you really getting a lot of customers that are viewing your, your app and then looking at ads and then clicking through and, you know, like, uh, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. So it's yeah. like, let's just get rid of them. You know? I think maybe on a subconscious level, maybe, but like, I've never been like, what's the weather like on Tuesday? Oh, I need to buy a new belt. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, know, like, like, like that's never happened in my life. no. That's so it's a good move. I mean, ads like, you know, it's just kind of lame that they would even do that. Like a lot of times I would just use because uh, you can get like, what does Google does Google have their own weather app or what? Like, if, like well, if you buy question. like a if you buy a like pixel? a pixel, like does does Google have? I'm sure they do. Like, I'm sure they do. Because a lot of times I'd probably just download whatever Google because even Google respects you more and they're a yeah. fucking advertising company. Yeah, and they don't even serve as many ads as Samsung does, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious if you think about it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad Samsung's doing this. Like they really need to, you know, compete with their competitors being Google and, uh, you know, with, with Google and Apple. So that's, that's a good, move. I mean, it comes down to customer experience, right? So like yeah. if, if they're making a move that, yeah, betters the customer experience and the user experience, yeah, they're only going to pull more customers in. So, you know, someone probably did a lot of market research and yeah. took some surveys, actually reviewed the surveys and said, what do you dislike <laughs> about our phones? And I'm sure ads was probably near the top. Dude, I, I got to <laughs> say something, dude. So I got a Samsung fridge, right? And like one of the cool kind of weird features it has is whenever you open the fridge and shut it on the, the screen, because it has a screen on my refrigerator, right? Samsung. Sure. It's a Samsung's whatever hub, right? Um and one of the things it does is it pops up little recipes and uh you know what's kind of weird is it'll 
it knows sort of what's in your fridge and it'll give you recipes sort of around it. Um, it, oh. if I'm interpreting it correctly, which is kind of neat, you know, I'm like, Oh, oh that's like, pretty cool. That's you know, what can cool. I make out of my, you know, whatever it's what time it was yeah. like, make this thing. And it was like, here's water. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I can make water. But like, that's pretty cool. well, you know, what pissed me off though was like, it was like, make this craft Mac and Mac and cheese. And it was like, it felt like a craft Mac and cheese ad was like fed to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I was like, I don't, eat craft mac and cheese i don't have yeah. any craft in my fridge why are you giving it's me it's odd that they threw the brand name in there yeah you know what that's I mean? what i mean so i was like i i i was suspect i suspected that i it was an ad but i haven't seen it since so if the moment it serves me a branded item like that uh like craft mac and cheese or if it tells me there's something it. else i'm gonna be like is this an ad if it is i'm just gonna turn the feature off but i thought it was like a charming little feature but yeah, then that I was pretty neat, actually. It is, but I was like, "Oh, that's cool, you know, a new recipe that I'll never cook." Uh, but you know, if they serve me ads via this feature, I'm just gonna disable it. And so Samsung, I, I, I just always suspect that they're they're like these cool features are cool, but then they have like a right. motive behind them. You know what I mean? I'm, so I just had to bring that up because that's another Samsung kind of thing that. You know, it's related to this topic. But, yeah, I'm happy they're removing the ads. Hopefully they can do that with everything. TVs, refrigerators, yeah. whatever. Hopefully this is the start of a good thing. It is. Ready to move on to our next topic? Yeah, so the next topic, yeah. uh, T-Mobile data breach. So I don't know anything about this, dude. You're going to have to feed me uh, some yeah, good info. Yeah, sure, sure. What's so, the deets? So, you know, in, in kind of a big deal, uh, T-Mobile had a data breach that uh, could have compromised up to 40 million uh Customers of T-Mobile. And I say customers because you're looking at uh, nearly 8 million subscribers, like people who actually have T-Mobile lines. Yep. You have 850,000 prepaid subscribers uh, and just over 40 million people uh, who are customer prospects. But those customer prospects are ones who applied for credit. Uh, so okay, so declined, accepted uh, they keep all that information and that's what got exposed. So, so for me, you know, the big deal in this data breach is uh, just going through the articles here. The, uh, the information that was leaked uh, is names, uh, first name, last name, date of birth, social security numbers and driver's license numbers. Okay. So, so this probably applies to the credit people, right? Cause they would right, probably provide right, that stuff. Okay. Right. But that's that's the largest chunk, right? That's forty million prospective customers who have applied for credit with T-Mobile. Yeah, that's kind of nutty. So a lot of people, uh, you know, they finance their phones, right? Would that be related? I mean, if you finance your phone, does that uh, through T-Mobile does that count? Would you? Uh, do you think it I, would? I, or? I would think it would, right? Because that's the whole point, right? Yeah. So so, so like I subsidize phones through my carrier just because it's zero percent APR. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I kind of feel like why would I give someone a thousand dollars up front when I can give them fifty dollars a month and then reinvest nine hundred and fifty dollars and you know, so on and so forth. Right. Um uh but yeah, I would have to think that anyone who does any sort of device payment plan or device, you know, device contract through T-Mobile is probably affected by this. They okay. even went as far to say that those 850,000 people who were uh, affected from the, from, from the prepaid section should change their pins immediately because they had their account pins exposed. Okay, so, so I mean, that's concerning. So I don't know if you can see this on my phone, but uh, I happen to be a T-Mobile customer myself. 
And yeah. uh, <laughs> so I don't finance my phones. I, I typically will pay outright. Um, so the I, I'm not sure if it applies to me in as far as like my social being leaked and stuff like that. Uh, but if a lot we of times have to look up and see what, cause, cause I can't remember honestly the last time I've switched carriers or added a line. Yeah. But, but what information carriers gather when you sign up for a line or get a phone line with someone? Yeah. I'm not sure, but they, if, I mean, there had to been some data breached, right? Like, uh, that would be applicable to me. Like, obviously I wouldn't want, people to know this stuff uh just willy-nilly and i'd definitely be concerned if my social was out there so like there's a lot of reasons i wonder if they'll uh inform their customers that have been affected by the breach like that sure, would be sure. what the typical that's kind of like your typical thing you do when your customers uh you know have been impacted like you're going to inform them right so right i guess i'm right. gonna like log into my t-mobile account and see like okay <laughs> tell me like am i affected and in what way if they even know um, you know, if they even know, I mean, they would know the extent of it, but they wouldn't really know, you know, what it says in the article is, um, that if you had a prepaid plan, they are a hundred percent confident that those pins were compromised. Okay, so well. all 850,000 prepaid customers have already had their pins reset and have been notified. Okay. Great. But current subscribers and prospecting customers have not been notified. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that it's just kind of like a best case practice. Yeah. Although T-Mobile did say that uh, they will offer, and and, and 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 I say this, you know, under my breath, gratefully, uh-huh. two years free credit monitoring to effective customers. It's like okay. it's like we goofed. Yeah. So now you can monitor your credit yourself. If every it's company a, did yeah. that, why do I feel like I'd have like forever free data, like credit monitoring? Because yeah. yeah. I would yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like this is pretty bad. Like I, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Like companies don't really value cybersecurity as nearly as much as they should. No. Uh, you know, there's no. a uh, you know when when going through my certification process, there's a there's sort of a uh, process companies go through where they weigh the pros and cons and they they budget accordingly. So they're yeah. like, how much Acceptable money? Acceptable risk policy. Exactly. So you, you probably are familiar with it because you're reading up on it on that stuff right now. But uh, you know that that was one of the things that's like, okay, uh, how much risk is there? How much money do we stand to lose? Uh, and then like, how much would it cost to implement like uh, proper uh, security practices to uh, mitigate the risks? And a lot of companies look at that and they go, it's expensive. And, uh, I mean, theoretically, if you never suffer a data breach, uh, you don't, you know, you could save a lot of money by not investing in your cybersecurity programs. So there's a, you basically, if you spend $0, have zero breaches, like you just made out. Right. Right. Uh, so like a lot of, you know, if you want to roll the dice, go ahead, but like, look at, (laughs) look at other companies that have been impacted like this and like learn like from their mistakes. Exactly. You know, exactly. So, so as someone who, who works for an organization who who is helping smaller companies, you know, kind of become a little bit more cyber smart, maybe maybe necessarily not go for an actual, you know, like CMC level or, or, or something along those lines. uh, It's a really tough sell because there's no perceived ROI on cybersecurity, right? Right. Like, like there's no, dude. like, it's not, this, re- you don't yeah, get a return yeah. on investment. You just like, prevent, like it's like, to mitigate. Like, like this sizable you know. investment yeah. gets you no return. Yeah. It just ensures or, 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 or it, I don't, I don't want to say insure, in, 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 insures because then it sounds like yeah. there's, 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 you know, 
and an infallible defense, and that's not the case. No. So, so you know, it's it's almost like well, people have they... to look at customer retention. You yeah, know, hundred percent. Like, 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 how much do you, do do you as a company value customer retention, and how much of your customers' data are you willing to put at risk? And if you value customer retention and customer loyalty as a metric. I think then cybersecurity may be able to be tied into an ROI right. because if something like this happens, you know, I'm sure that that that, that they're going to lose some customers over this. It's 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 going to uh, happen. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like the crazy thing about be this, a, is, a sizable amount. Well, but. that's the thing. You can't really quantify customer retention, right? Right. So right. how are you going to quantify? Like, give me numbers. Like, you can't really make numbers. This is something you have to really guess, and it's really up to a a company to realize its value. It's yeah. not really something you can explain like customer loyalty, things like that. Um, your brand, like your image, these are all things that are hard to really quantify, but have a, a huge amount of value, right? Like look at Apple and their brand. Like obviously they care greatly. You can tell they care greatly about their brand. Um, and you know, which is, which is why, you know, they're, they're trying so hard to really, like when we talked about how they're under fire for the the privacy stuff, right? That they're obviously freaking out on the back end, going, "Well, this is impacting our brand." You know they're doing right. that. That's why you right. had Cred Federici come out, like he interviewed with uh, I forget whom, and uh, it tried to uh, calm the public, trying to like yeah. you know fan you put know out not, the fires. yeah put out yeah. the fires, right? Like they they're gonna do that. Companies like T Mobile and these other companies, like they they need to think about that <laughs> when they are implementing a cybersecurity policy and a lot of a lot of times it's like expense they don't want to they don't want to do you know what i mean yeah, it's expensive i mean i mean for me like maybe i'm different right but 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 like every time i see like experian now and they're like they they, they want to give me a credit report i'm yeah. just like experian law like <laughs> they're gonna lose my data again you know what i mean i know so, so like yeah. i don't know if i'm in the minority with that but <sighs> Experience as a company is pretty much dead to me. Yeah, I know. I, when it, you know, when it comes to data, like this is why, like I will always tr- give out the least amount of information possible. You can't trust these companies with no, their data. No. Uh, you know, if you're giving them social security numbers, addresses, phone numbers, you know, all this stuff, like it can easily get breached. This is you're you're literally a database exploit away from losing all that data. You yeah. know, SQL injection, bam, like spit out database tables. Now you're in. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. I, I've seen it. I've seen like in my uh, – I have friends that have uh, done some consulting work, and what they've done is they've they've actually shown, hey, your database is vulnerable here. I can get in. I can modify mm-hmm. these tables. I can read from these tables. Uh, I have access now. Like I have like rights to this uh, information. And – and so it's not something that's like hard to do. Like script kitties can do this stuff now. You can have people that there's scripts online for uh, database exploits that people can run if they're so inclined. So you need to be ready yeah. for that on the on the back end. You like people need to think about. And obviously, coming from, like we're both cybersecurity guys, right? So we're like, oh, invest in cyber. You know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. we care about it. But like you know, this is just hard hard evidence that you know people don't really value it as much as they probably should. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing: the companies are like, no matter how much we invest, we're still vulnerable, and that's absolutely a fact. So they might use that as an excuse to not yeah. really invest that much at all, because it's like, okay, well, 
you know, the risks, we're mitigating them a little bit, but if we, we spend X dollars, like maybe they'll be like, okay, well, we're the diminishing returns. You know what I mean? When it comes sure, to cybersecurity. Sure. So they might be like, well, you know, we'll invest, you know, a reasonable amount. And that might be what T-Mobile did. Like, I can't really flat, uh, hate on them uh, specifically because I don't really know uh, what their cybersecurity policy is. But you would think as a major provider that you would be, uh, you know, you work, you you live and breathe on the Internet. You would think like you would care more than most, uh, if not like a majority about cybersecurity and you would have like a really lock solid uh program well one thing i will say and 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 you can back me up on this is is was this data not even encrypted i see no mention of it anywhere well that's a good point man i mean data sitting on a server somewhere absolutely should be encrypted right 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 Uh, i mean if that key was stored elsewhere yeah would we be in this situation right now well see i i have they released any details? A lot of times they nope. don't. Nope. A lot of times they don't. Nope. They keep this stuff close nope. to nope. close it to says, their chests. It says right here, the investigation into the breach began after Vice reported on Sunday that hackers were offering T-Mobile customer data for sale on the dark web. Mm-hmm. On the following Monday, T-Mobile confirmed a cybersecurity incident but offered no further details and plans not to. Okay. The dark web, dude. Yeah. Fucking the Not dark to be confused web. with the light web. Yeah, no. Is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dark side of the web. <laughs> but yeah, dude, uh, that's kind of nutty. I mean, I hopefully T-Mobile turn it around. You know, they invest in cybersecurity programs. I think it's you know a bigger deal now more than ever, like cybersecurity. And companies need to invest, you know, yeah. you know, they need to, they need to pay for professionals. They need to have people certified and trained. They need to have, uh, proper equipment, proper firewalls. They need to lock down their databases. They need to, I mean, that's the thing. If, you know, there's multiple ways to breach, uh, data. If their databases were encrypted, then it shouldn't have been skimmed. If they had proper privileges and, uh, and good password policies. It shouldn't have been cracked. If, but like, here's the thing: like, there's vulnerabilities everywhere, uh, right. and there's even zero days. So, you know, like, you could feel as locked down as possible, and then somebody comes out with a new exploit and gets you. You know what I mean? So, I don't know how uh, how robust T-Mobile's uh, cybersecurity program is, but I don't know. I have a hunch it's not as good as it should be. Not yet. <laughs> I've known people that work for banks. And I've had bad cybersecurity uh, for a bank, dude. Like, what? Bizarre world, right? Yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? But yeah, pretty interesting, interesting stuff. I mean, T-Mobile is just another target uh, that got hit, dude. Who, who's next, dude? Who do we bet? They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> they coming. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with that topic. Let's see what's next on the agenda, my dude. Let's uh, MacBooks coming <sighs> in November. I'm excited about this topic, dude. I'm really excited. Uh, so about this is topic. obviously, you know, asterisk whatever rumor mill, mill right? Uh, but M1X MacBooks. We don't know if it'll be called, called M1X, but the idea M2, is new M1X. MacBooks. New MacBooks are coming, and they're going to have new chips that aren't the M1. So the uh, fantastic M1 chip came out what last year? And uh, last November. Last November, yeah, yeah. and it was you know completely fantastic. And now you have all kinds of M1 devices from. The MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, the M1 uh, iPad, iPad 11 and 12, the freaking uh, Mac Mini, the iMacs, and you know who knows what's next. But what we really want to see is the next iteration. M1, all the things. 
M1 all the things, which is they're pretty close. They have an M1 like a Mac Pro yet, which, you know, M1X, like, you know, if they're talking about M1X MacBooks, you're probably talking, what, like 16 inches? Uh, that's uh, the big boy, or do you think that... Maybe, maybe we'll see a 14. You that know, would be my hope. That was a rumor. I, I did see the rumored 14-incher, and honestly, that's like a good size. Like, the 13 Great is size. a good size. I love my 13. But, like, I feel like if I had a little bit more power, you know, and then 14-inch, like, I feel like it wouldn't really compromise on its portability enough right, to, like, right. make, like, where I wouldn't get it. Because I love the 13, right? And, like, I don't want to go back to a 16 because it was just kind of a chonker, you know what I mean? I think where, where we'll see a difference is it probably comes down to power draw, yeah. right? Like, like if they can hit the battery life targets they want to hit while pushing more cores, uh, yeah, we so, may see a 14. So, but, like, a 14 but, would give you more battery, which is good. So, like... like well, I think I think the, the, the casing size will be similar. They'll just push out the bezels, kind of like they did on the 15 yeah. and 16. Okay, yeah. Uh, but... I think that if we see an M1X 14, it'll be dependent on the power target of the M1X. And yeah, if 100%. they can get comparable battery life, because, you know, uh, like now we're talking, you know, these PCBs are tiny, like tiny, they tiny, really tiny, tiny, tiny on arm. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone's seen online or if Eric can pull it up quick, but uh, what the PCB looks like inside the Mac Mini, because they're still using the old housing from when they used Intel chips. And it's like, it's like 80% empty. So that obviously gives them more room for battery, right? So I think that the really the only advantage the, the larger chassis has now is, is, is probably in the battery department. All right. So I have an image here that might be the uh, M1 MacBook Air. So I'm going to pull it up. Oh, yeah. That's fine, too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. because the Air and the Pro are literally the same, except yep. one has active cooling. So, like, literally this top right corner which is a tiny sliver of the board. Like this isn't even like 20% of the board. It's like, that's yeah. the main board. Like, are you kidding me? Mind blowing, isn't it? It's kind of, yeah, it's itty bitty. So, I mean, the whole board, like, it, you know, obviously that's the M1. So the M1X, you know, it's going to target obviously more power. Uh, I know personally right. what I want out of the M1X, right? I feel like the the CPU is pretty good. Um, uh, I want to see GPU cores. I want to see more GPU grunt out of the M1X yeah. personally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I can like, see that. here's I can see for that. me, it's about uh, you know, the funny thing is, even though Macs aren't really the best gamers, I kind of like how gaming is on the M1. Like, I I, I love it. It's, it's actually it's crazy to me. Like, uh, yeah, it's like pretty as someone good. Who 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 plays WoW? But I'll, yeah. I'll never admit that. I mean, <laughs> I can play WoW on my M1 MacBook for yeah five hours unplugged 100 percent, dude like like <laughs> it's it's good it's really good like um the the fact that you can play games uh integrated graphics on the m1 is yeah. actually pretty stellar like like very stellar you um, can go you can go to a coffee shop on a sunday morning and pound out your wow dailies at starbucks yeah. for two and a half hours yeah and not even think about bringing the yeah. charger with you that's what's nutty like honestly i was saying this uh when i was you know, I, I did a lot of evaluation of the M1, uh, you know, from a performance perspective, from a gaming perspective. Because, you know, I, I would game on the 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro. This is before the M1, right? And then I had to decide, do I upgrade to the M1? Because I'm used to, like, x86. I'm used to, what, the Intel i9. Sure, sure. And I'm, for, for me, you know. 
for me, uh, my biggest fear to jump to M1 was to lose boot camp. Yeah, I know. That's another thing. And, you know, boot camp, that was the one thing that, uh, you know, that was great about the 16 inch is I had the right. i9 and it had uh, dedicated graphics and I could boot camp it. So I did uh, run boot camp and on occasion I was able to play games that were Windows exclusive. Uh, can't do that anymore, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, pros and cons, the, uh, Mac OS on M1 is just a fantastic device. It really and, is. And the it games really that you can make work, like people have made like a lot of games work with crossover and other technologies and they've used like, uh, they've run windows in a VM and it's been pretty good. And so like if if you can work around those compromises, like the gaming experience, and if you have games that are native, even just games that uh, were Mac supported, but they're not right. M one, they're like just x86. Rosetta translated. Yeah, even Rosetta translated games ran better on the M one. It blows my mind when when software goes through a translation layer and somehow runs better. It did. So like I have a lot of games that are CPU uh, dependent. Uh, RimWorld being my favorite one. And when I can run RimWorld through the translation layer and get higher FPS uh, than on my i9 uh, MacBook uh, Pro 16-inch, that's nuts. Right, right. Uh, You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, my frame rate is better. Like, I'm, this is running the game better. Like, that's pretty nutty. Like, obviously, if I'm playing World of Warcraft with dedicated graphics on the 16-inch, uh, uh, it was better because dedicated graphics, it did have more grunt, uh, but the battery life would last less than an hour on yep. dedicated graphics. And don't even get me started on th- the poor performance of Intel integrated graphics. It might be better in 2021, but like it was it's not, not that, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing, nothing compared like to what like an M1 can do. So we're, I know personally out of the, if, if they come out with an M1X dude, I'm super pumped to see yeah. the graphics performance because Theoretically, right now you have eight cores, uh, eight, eight GPU cores. They throw in 16, dude. You're doubling performance. It's already really good. I mean, obviously your thermals are going to go up. Your power draw is going to go up. Uh, but with the increased battery life of a 14-inch device, because it's going to have more battery space, uh, you might be able to compensate for that uh, yeah, extra draw. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the heat increase, that's probably the only thing you'd maybe notice. Uh, but, you know, they probably have a little bit of a beefier cooling on the 14 or a 16 or whatever. Um, so hopefully you can compensate for that. Because there's, you know, one thing that we enjoy right now in the 13-inch uh, MacBook Pros is great thermals. Like the fans barely kick on. You know what I mean? Right, right. Even when gaming. So it's kind of funny, like, if you think about it. The real question about uh, the M1X, though, is uh, whatever it comes out in, dude, are you going to get it? That's the real <laughs> That's the real question, dude. Are uh, you going to get it? No. No, you're going to stick with the 13. I'm going to stick with the 13. Okay. That's a bold statement coming from you, dude, the guy that reordered the Z Fold 3. Hey, hey. Freaking... Hey. Uh, dude, you're gonna get the whatever to do the M1X. Here's what's gonna happen, dude. I'm calling it now. It's gonna come out, dude. It like performance numbers, dude. People are gonna be blowing their minds on YouTube, dude. And then you're gonna be like instantly buying it. I'm telling you, dude. You're gonna people. Yeah, you're they're probably g- right. They're you're gonna be like, right. oh my god, these numbers, dude. They did it. They you're fucking right. doubled the performance, uh, the you're graphics performance. Right. It's unbelievable, dude. People are gonna be like, you can play fucking. 
you know, it sucks because like this thing would be a beast gamer if it had like actually games that could run on it other than World of Warcraft. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. It's like, dude, give me some games on the Mac, dude, because it's such a great, it's such a like really powerful device, dude. I want to see the M1X just smash it, dude. I hope it does. Right. But yeah, let's move on, dude. Like, so we just talked about it. We just touched on it. Randy, re-pre-order Z Fold 3 Re-pre. again. Re-pre. Yeah, dude, I did it. Dude, uh, dude, so this is hilarious. Not proud of it. I not was listening proud. to our podcast uh, that we did last week, and to hear you talk about, like, oh, I can't do it, and here's the reasons, and then, like, to, to hear you now, <laughs> you sound like a different person, dude. What uh, happened, dude? I got sucked into the hype, dude. Dude, the hype... Hype train, um, dude. You never stepped off, dude. You wanted to. I mean, true. You tried. True. So, I guess for me, you know, the Z Fold is the pinnacle of the phone. Wow. You know? Bold and statement. Bringing it back full circle to kind of what I talked about last week about me saying I don't even, I don't even know where my phone is. Right. That holds true of my current setup. So I was planning on buying the iPhone 13 in September with the new watch. And I was like, um, I'm literally buying the same phone that I'm so bored with. I don't even know where it is half the time because I'm so bored with it. Okay. Because Apple will sell me the same phone again, which I will gladly buy for like three years in a row. Uh, Okay. I see you. When it comes down to it, really, really, I'm buying the iPhone and same with the iPhone for the ecosystem. Right, and I'm not buying it for the hardware. I'm not buying it for the form factor. I'm not buying it because I'm excited to get it. I'm buying it because I'm sucked into their software package, which is pretty good. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, uh, you know, did did some more digging, did some more research, and uh, not giving up my iPad, but giving up my Apple Watch. Uh, I think that Samsung has finally reached a happy medium where I can live in a world where I use an iPad and have an Android device. And part of the reason why that is, is because they have decided to partner with Google and put Wear OS on the watch. Yeah. So the watch, obviously, you know, that was one of the things when I was initially going to get the Z Fold 2, the watch, you know, the Apple watch was such a like important device for me because I really do love the Apple Watch. Like I use the fitness features. I like the workout tracking and the calories and stuff. So like to leave that and then go to a different platform, I was really worried. Right. And it right. was bad. It was bad before. Now I've watched some reviews recently. I know The Verge put out a Galaxy Watch 4 review uh, earlier today, I think. And I watched it. You know, they, they basically was like, yeah, this is much better. Like this is actually a powerful, this is like a great option especially if you're a Samsung user. So Yeah, so so for me, uh yeah. A, one of the biggest complaints I had in the past and and and, and what ultimately made me want to get back pretty did. Get yeah. back to the uh the iPhone was so for those of you who don't know, Samsung's watches ran ran, ran their own operating system called Tizen. So if you wanted to send and receive text messages on your watch, you had to use Samsung Messenger on your phone. Yeah, but, I know. Yep. but if you use Samsung Messenger on your phone, uh, Google has this really neat infrastructure out where you can just go to messages.google.com and you can now text from any device you're on. 
which is a great feature, right? So like if you're at work yeah, uh, and, you want, and you want to go and you don't want to, I, I, actually it's a productivity increase, right? Because if I get a text message and my phone goes off, I pick up my phone and look at it. If I can just tab over to a web browser, see what it is and decide to respond from there without having to like take my hands off the keyboard and mouse, right. I'm going to be more productive. Uh, and like, that's a big draw for me. Right. So, I, so then I was in this weird situation where do I want that functionality to text from any device or do I want to use my watch? Mm-hmm. And that's a tough decision to make. Like no one wants to buy the watch and then not be able to use it. And alternatively, no one wants to lose that functionality to text from whichever device they have in their hand. So, uh, now that Google's watches run Wear OS, uh, I could just run Google messenger on my phone which will in turn relay messages to my watch, which will in turn allow me to create a shortcut on my iPad that goes to messages.google.com. And I will now have my text functionality from my iPad. So in a kind of a roundabout way, I feel like I'm going to get the phone I want with the main functionality I want from my devices. Yeah. Uh, So you found ways to compensate for losing the Apple features that you've enjoyed. Not all of them, but a major one. Yeah. So, well, the nice thing about being dual ecosystem is you you can play with the best of both worlds, right? Right. right. So, like, yeah. you're not really losing iOS apps. You have your iPad, dude. True. And you True. know, like, so you can use like apps that you enjoy that iOS have, like Apollo. And, yeah, like Apollo, and you know, you get that on your iPad. And then, like, if you want to mess around with cool Android apps, like, you know, maybe you want to play with an emulator or mess around with whatever they got, you got the Play Store on your uh, Fold. So right, that's kind of right. cool, you know? And, you know, just touching on gaming brief- briefly, you know, I'm a big Blizzard fan, big Diablo fan. Yeah. Diablo Immortal is coming out soon, and that is going to be so good on the Fold. Uh, it'll be the be, best way to play yeah, it, basically. Yeah. It, I mean, the iPad will be, be game changing. Too, but... Yeah. Well, but, but again, the iPad doesn't fit my in, in my pocket, right? Like yeah. that's the appeal of the fold. So, like, if I go somewhere and like I just want to bang out a game real quick, yeah, or just you know, yeah, no, I mean, dude, it's gonna be unreal. And the folds display, and like we didn't even talk about the display, and a lot of uh, stuff came out, you know, last week about it, saying how good it was. It's like brighter, it's more power efficient. Like that's awesome to me. Um, so, I, you know, the display is just gonna be like so good. And now you don't have that pinhole camera, the punch-out uh, camera. So it's it's just going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to be a pleasure to do anything content consumption-wise, gaming included. I'm just shocked that you did it, dude. Like I was like, there's no way he's going to go with the... And if you did do anything, I thought you would do the flip. So what made you do the fold? I, the flip is cool on paper, and it's, it's cool in your hand. Uh, but the fold is practical. And that's really what it comes down to, right? Like if I could, if I lived in a perfect world and I could say, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to a, to, to, to a black tie affair. I'm going to take my flip because it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know uh, what you mean, dude. And it's just so satisfying to, again, to, to flip it open and then hang up on people just by, you know, yeah, closing the yeah. clamshell. Uh, but it's practicality for me ends there. You know, yep. I would recommend the Z Flip to any single normal person looking for a phone. And I say normal because you don't want to spend $1,700 plus on a phone. Uh, I think the Z Flip is, 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 is a great world to be in. Uh, you know, just coming down to usability. Uh, I, I was talking to you about getting the smaller iPhone uh, this time around. And 
the fold kind of does that for me. Okay. And let me explain. So part of the reason why I think the fold experience is really nice is because the cover display is slender. And some people may view that as a con, but for me, you know, if I'm not going to unfold, I'm using it with one hand. Honestly, that's the coolest thing. Like uh, the fact that it's thin like that and being able to use it one handed, that's huge actually. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, to me, it's kind of like a device that was designed with usability first, uh, while also being cool as hell. So, so you have the situations where, okay, what would make a phone better suited for one-handed use? Make it narrower so you can reach across the screen for your keyboard. What would make a screen better for two-handed use? Make it unfold into a 7.6-inch display. You know, I, yeah. I feel like they kind of have that usability form factor down. Uh, one thing I, I am going to have to work on is, uh, unfortunately, I take a lot of notes. I'm a big uh, Apple Pencil fan. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, So. Uh, I think that for like my serious note taking, I'm still going to probably rely on good notes in my Apple Pencil because writing on the on on the iPad and the Apple Pencil uh, combo is just it's it, it's it's excellent. Yeah, hundred percent. So so, but one thing I, I do want to try to explore is maybe looking at OneNote because I know OneNote will sync between devices. Uh, so that may be an avenue I explore when I get my Z fold to see if I could transition away from good notes. Yeah. You know what I use, dude? Note. It's not as good as one note. I, I use the Synology note. Oh again. yeah. Yeah. Cause like it works. Uh, there's an app on both platforms sure. and uh, there's some features that it doesn't have, but it does, you know, it serves its function for me. Um, but so I don't think that you'll love it as much as like even one note, but the fact that you are, you're kind of already running it. Um, it, it might be something that you'd be interested in. Yeah. You can get to it in the browser and stuff too, which is nice. Uh, but there are apps on both platforms, and there's a app on Windows also. So, um, yeah, it's not bad. I do use that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, OneNote, you know, there's third-party options that you could look at. I think Evernote way back in the day was, like, a big one. Uh, I don't know if it is relevant in 2021, but, you know... What was that Evernote? No, yeah, that, I, I haven't that, heard that. In, that was like an that's like the the old. That's a name oldie, I haven't heard in some years. Yeah, that was the oldie but goodie back in the day, and then like people started to build in their own note taking stuff, and then OneNote and all these other competitors came out. So I don't know if it's relevant nowadays, but uh, there's options. There's always options. Uh, always. But, you know, I'm interested to know. Uh, you know, the the one problem I have with the Note app uh, with Evernote or not Evernote, but the uh, Synology one. It's like you want to do cool stuff. Like if you're using a, if you have an Apple pencil or you're using a, in in Samsung's case, the, the, the Z pen thing, S pen, uh, you want to be able to like jot notes down like very easily and seamlessly with whatever note app you use and then have it synchronized. So if you find a solution, cause I feel like when it comes to note taking with a, uh, uh, any kind of uh, pen device, uh, that's where Synology kind of falls flat. It's really just for typing. Uh, so uh, if you can find a solution, like let me know because I'm in the market for one now that I'm going to be using an S Pen. Right, and, you right. Know, I want to utilize the S Pen. Yeah. So for me, uh, uh, taking notes without typing is kind of a new thing. Is uh, it really? It is. But, I mean, you it use is. an Apple Pencil, right? Like, do you actually in meetings and stuff like use it uh, as a note taker? So, yeah, yeah. So, so essentially, if, if if I pulled up my good notes right now, and this is one of the reason why. Uh, 
one of the one of, one of the reasons why I really enjoy Good Notes. Okay, is um you can download templates like page templates. So I have two workbooks for me for uh for work. So I have one just for like my my general notes I take on my desk day day to day, and then I have one for meetings. But the okay. meetings one I have a template on there where it has room. It has like dividers, right? So I have one for topic, one for dates. Okay. One, uh, a section for attendees and then a section for notes. So I could write down who attended the meeting, what notes from the meeting, so on and so forth. And it is good. It's, note, it's, uh, is it iOS only? Right. It is iOS only. So, so that's lame. why I'm, so that's why I'm looking for a, uh, okay. for an alternative, which I'm hoping one note may, may do the trick. Maybe one note might uh, be the way. I mean, uh, I know they have the stylus support and everything in one note. So they it do. might be all they right. Do. Um, it might be your only option, like the only good option there. I don't know. Good notes. Like, cause I think I have good notes on the iPad. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Why don't they seven 99 one time fee? It's one of the best $8 you'll ever spend. If you have an Apple pencil on an iPad, it's like an essential app. Uh, I don't know why they don't port it. Like, give me a port, dude. Give me like, make it on, make it multi-platform. Like, I don't want to, if I'm on, uh, you know, Android, I want to be able to access my notes. Right. I so, agree. I agree. Yeah, kind of a shame, but uh, you know, whatever. Maybe it's just like, uh, maybe the uh, you know, I guess uh, when you're designing iOS apps, maybe they're just so integrated in um, in, in whatever tools Apple provides to them that they can't really port it. You know what I mean? Right. So right. that's probably the case. But yeah, interesting that you're getting the Z Fold, man. I mean, I know I'm excited about it. Actually, at this point, it's funny because I was like, oh yeah, I'm getting it. Uh, and then you were like, no, nah, I'm not getting it, dude. And now you're more excited than I, think I, I am, am dude. dude. I just got two chargers in today. They're on my desk. Uh, yeah. I have the watch on pre-order and uh, the phone on pre-order yeah. and two cases. Yeah. Actually, one of the cases shipped already. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, once we get these puppies in hand, we'll we'll go over them a little bit more. And uh, I'll definitely ask some questions on the podcast about the uh, the watch. Because I, I want to know if the watch is yeah. good, dude. Uh, I'm I mean, yeah. you know, I was hypercritical about the last one. I think I, I think I lasted a week with it. So. Yeah, I know it's kind of funny. And you went with other watches too. I think you had a Belkin watch at one point. Uh, I had a Garmin. Oh, a Garmin, sorry. which I love, by the way. The yeah. Garmin is fantastic. Like if if you go into a smartwatch purchase and you know what you're getting with the Garmin, yeah, it's 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 a stellar product. Like, don't expect full smartwatch functionality, but just expect like like this like rugged beast yeah. mode multiple week battery life it's a tool banger yeah yeah, 100%. yeah all right yeah so uh i mean any last things about the fold dude where can move on to no. windows 11 so no. uh i mean up up until my tracking updates i think we'll be uh <laughs> yeah i think yeah. i'll get mine before you which is uh funny I think so. you should have so. just uh held held the pre-order i should have i should have <laughs> not smart not, not smart. smart so uh next topic is windows 11 just general discussion you know uh i yes. know uh i remember seeing news about windows 11 and i i was personally uh surprised uh you know i think everyone was surprised you know coming off of that announcement like four or five years ago where they said that windows 10 would be the last version windows. of windows right yeah and i was right. like okay and here, and, here and, and here we are and i'm i mean i'm not like super shocked but like uh, you know, because it's it's a thing that you know you could kind of expect Microsoft to do, but right, right. it's just like, um, do you really expect people to pay for operating systems at this point? Uh, I mean, obviously they offer I mean, you free to pay for Windows Ten, so yeah, you it's know, true. So I think that I think the pricing model is probably not going to change. I think people are going to get their free upgrade. Yeah, 
100 they're, they're 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 still going to sell licenses i i i mean they well they have enterprise customers and obviously you can make bank off of enterprise customers well uh, they're also the only dog in town right now right when it yeah for, when it comes to market part, share yeah. you know my mom isn't going to go out and buy a Linux machine or a Chromebook know? or like, right, you know, right. maybe a Chromebook, but they're cheaper than right. like, if you right. want like windows is windows, right? Right. So if you're obviously a gamer, you're buying a copy of windows. Yeah. You're going to have windows, but you know, people run freaking, uh, you know, unlicensed copies, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and they don't really pre- stop you. Like, I, yeah. I don't know if windows 11 will change their tune on that, but like, they don't really stop you from running unlicensed no. copies. No, you can just, I mean, it's in the bottom of your screen. Uh, you need they to also register, don't stop but... you from, from selling uh, pack licensing to individuals. So, yeah, you know, okay. you know, you may find some, some, uh, that's where some... you get the mega cheap ones that are kind of their pack licenses and, yeah. uh, they're not really like designed for that. Uh, but they work fine. I, I mean, yeah. I have a pack license on my desktop. And Do you really? Yeah, yeah, dude. It was, it was a you know a a subreddit that okay. sells pack licenses for thirty five bucks. There you go. And and it, it's it's a fully authenticated, fully val- validated Windows now eleven Pro key. Yeah, I'm. I had to. I bought two copies of uh, Windows ten Pro. One for my workstation, and then one for my server, and I've been running on them ever since. And I really needed Pro because uh, if you want to use uh, Hyper-V, which is Microsoft's uh, yeah, VMs, VMs, joining the domains. Yeah, yeah, if you want to do cool stuff like that, you need the Pro. And, you know, as a kind of an enterprise guy myself, like I wanted those enterprise features. Uh, so needed the Pro. But like, and also there was a thing back in the day, and I, I know we're talking about Windows 10 and it's supposed to be 11, but back in the day, if you wanted to uh, like do, uh, if you want to configure how Windows updates work, you had to be on the Pro. Uh, really? Yeah. It, it how was long like, ago was that? It, it was like when it first came out. I don't know if it's uh, going back even farther than that. Wasn't there a time when you were limited to four gigs of RAM? Dude, I hope I, not. I, that, I know that like there well, was like a thirty-two and sixty-four gig limitation 60, around. Four if you're gigs a thirty-two bit operating system, maybe. Okay, so. Back to Windows 11, okay, not to, not to ramble on Windows 10. So Windows 11, you're actually running it, right? I am running it, and uh, you may see a hard cut transition here because uh, Windows 11 is pretty buggy. So essentially, if I open any app that uses G-Sync, yeah. uh, my Camlink 4K will freeze the app that the feed is coming from. That's sad. Uh, kind yeah. of annoying, but we just discovered that now while, while we were talking about Windows 11. Yeah, uh, Windows 11 bugs, dude. It's not ready for uh, prime time. That's why it's little, in uh, testing. <laughs> little pet peeves I have with it. Um, if you, I, I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid to touch it right now. But if I, if you alt tab on Windows 11, the entire screen gets like a, a a blur on it, so you can no longer see your desktop. That's a big problem. Oh, for me. That's, that's annoying, terrible, dude. Uh, I'm also a taskbar to the left kind of guy because uh, you obviously have more horizontal real estate than vertical real estate on a monitor, and yeah. you cannot move it from the bottom on Windows 11. Kind uh, of that's going to make people me. pissed. Like, first off, kind the of taskbar looks weird anyway. Like, it's got the icon centered, which, I mean, I say weird. So, I could get used to it. So you I'm can already used to it on the Mac. You can right-click on the taskbar and move it back to the left if you want a more traditional windows layout yeah uh but as someone who's a mac guy the, the center thing kind of feels like home to me yeah so, so, so like, like, like that's not a big deal but i'm gonna like, I, I wish i could move it to the left yeah so i'm gonna try and like find a good screenshot here but like 
the yeah as a Matt guy myself, like it's not even a, okay. So I have a screenshot here. So is this kind of what it looks like? Out that's of the exactly box? what it looks like. That's so what exactly am I looking at like here? Is this a is this a search thing that's popped no, up? No, that's or? your start menu. That's your start menu. Oh my! Oh yeah, he's clicked on it. So yeah. okay, so it looks pretty clean. I mean, I like it. It looks really nice. The the, the alt uh, tab is miserable. I uh, I will say the best feature if you ever use multiple desktops like Mission Control and stuff in Mac. Yeah. That is literally how it works in Windows. They control C, control V, the multiple. The, oh, the so multi you can like, can you slide Windows. through them like yeah, uh, pages like here. almost? Like here, I'll show you. Because I, I, I personally, um, you know, I do the same thing. Like I, I like, I really like how Mac OS handles multi. Same thing. Same thing. Uh, okay, so Randy's he's sending me an image. I'm gonna see if I can, uh, if I can pull it up. Give me. I gotta download it first, and you know, uh, one second. But yeah, so like, if it works the same, I mean that's that's amazing because yeah. I, I actually yeah, that's a huge that, um, that's, that's a huge push in the right direction. Yeah, I super also enjoy that. interestingly enough, if anyone is on the latest content update for uh, uh, Windows 10, you may have noticed that they added a, a, a little convenient weather widget in mm-hmm. your taskbar and your your task tray that's gone in Windows 11. <laughs> so oh man, that's so, hilarious. So that lasted all of six months. Yeah, it's like here's a cool feature. Psych. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't get used to it. So what I'm looking at here is the picture you sent me. So can I just drag stuff onto new desktop and it be in there? Yeah. Or uh, let me try it out. Let's see. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you okay. Can. Nice, nice, nice. That's kind yes, of the intuitive can. thing, right? Yeah. I I, yeah. I really like when you uh, add intuitive features. Like you know, I'm all yeah. about that. Can you do like um, in one of the my favorite parts about macOS is having a full screen app like um like if i if i full screen something it makes it its own sort of tab right does does windows 11 it doesn't do that that by default it doesn't do that so i would have to like pull it into a new desktop full screen and then that would be that's kind of a two-step process whereas like it's kind of a one step on mac os i wonder if you can like tune it to like be similar i probably not probably not that's kind of windows isn't really going to work that way i don't think uh out of the box but it'd be cool if you could do something like a right click on like the minimize maximize square and then be able to like say send to new desktop full screen or something like that that, that like why not do that um, yeah so so i just sent you a full image of, of like the, of the your, multi-window ui okay and yeah. then uh that's it basically takes snapshots of of all of your current uh open windows and then i could just drag them down a desktop too and then they'll be on desktop too all right, so looking at the image you sent, um, there's the. So is this when you Alt Tab then? No, no. This is uh, this is when I click on the multi window icon. Okay, so there's to, an icon for it. Yeah, right? if, if, if you pull up that, if you pull up that original one you had, it's the one to the right of the search. Oh, I already got rid of that. But yeah, <laughs> I already I yeah. overwritten it. But uh, but yeah, I mean this looks pretty clean though. I'm, I'm happy with their uh, with their aesthetic. I think Windows 11 looks very clean. Um, and like I, that to me, that's a pleasure. Like I love yeah. the minimalist kind of clean streamlined look. Uh, and I think that's where windows 11 lives. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very clean looking. It's very clean. clean but like looking. what, what in, in terms of features are we really getting out of, are we getting a new direct X now? Are we, we getting, are getting a new direct X? Um, we are getting uh secure enclave hardware support. Okay. Um, we are getting, 
I think it's like more 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 based for unification between Windows, you know, LOL Windows Phone, but more importantly, there'll be more unification with Xbox. That's cool. Um, I mean, like, uh, here's a really good example, like a really, really good example. So in the latest developer preview for the Xbox One, uh, the Edge browser that is going on Xbox Series One is literally the same one that's on Windows 11. And oh, okay, cool. It'll be a full featured web browser. Yeah, what's 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 really interesting is I was on the subreddit before of someone who was running the insider beta. Yeah. And all of the same instruction sets work. So someone actually went out to XCloud and played an XCloud game in Edge browser on their Xbox. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. So wow. I mean that just goes to show like this isn't a stripped down version. That's pretty impressive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm sure that if that's the case, that means you could probably run extensions. Uh, you or could. plugins. I, I wonder. Uh, I don't know, like, like what function, like the the backend functionality would definitely be there, right? But but I can't tell whether you or not they if, let uh, you. That's another right, thing. right, right. Because oh my god, you know, you know what's funny though? Uh, this is not off. This is off topic a little bit, but typically browsers are a big like vulnerability for consoles. Because there's so are many. Are you going back to PS3? When, when well, that, that, that's why PlayStation got rid, rid of the browser. Yeah, that could be a, because, one example. Because yeah. like a lot of uh, compromises on these platforms have been done through the browser, like to get right. root access. So uh, you know, to see Microsoft flex a little bit on their, uh, it's really like their um, what is it's, it, UAP. It's, what is it called? Like where yeah. they they have their app sandbox so well that like they're not worried about it, dude. Yeah, it's kind of one of the things that that, that they're like that's where Microsoft lives, right? Like UWP is that what it is? A uh, unified U- Windows platform or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they their apps are basically like super sandboxed and like isolated. They probably like yeah we we locked it down, dude. Like you don't got to yeah. worry about that. Yeah, it's really it's we'll see. For- <laughs> For anyone who's not really familiar with that, Microsoft is really good at compartmentalization. Yeah, they are. Uh, and it's Nowadays. it's Microsoft, you know, using what they know to make yeah. a better product, in my opinion. Because, yeah. I don't know, like, like, like there's probably a lot of people out there uh, who realistically probably have a phone and maybe a console and don't have a computer or a tablet. Yeah. So to have a full browser that's not on their phone is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. No, I'm all about it, and I think that you can use like keyboard and mouse on these consoles, you can. right? You can. So I mean, shoot, it's like a there's it's even, like a PC did. Like there's PC. even some games that allow keyboard and mouse on Series X, that's like Warzone. Yeah. Warzone allows keyboard and mouse. On, uh, excuse me, keyboard and mouse on Series X. That's pretty. I believe cool. I believe Halo Master Chief Collection also allows keyboard and mouse. On You're kidding, Series X. dude. No, that's but, unreal. If so. so, but then you get auto looped into the PC only group. So, well, that's still cool. That's still yeah. cool as hell. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I, if they do that, that's awesome. So like, you know, back to windows 11 though, like it's kind of interesting. Um, how are you going to incentivize people to upgrade? I just don't know. Um, I, like, give I me, think for a lot of people, it's going to be the direct X. It's well, kind of, or, or it's, if you it's want new direct X, if you want the AAA games that use the new direct X, you're going to have to upgrade. That's what happened with right. windows 10. Right. Cause, uh, what direct X, uh, was it 11 or 12 that launched with windows 10? I forget, but they definitely had a new direct X. And if you wanted to play the new games on it, you had to upgrade. Um, it's also a totally new aesthetic. Like, uh, it looks uh, good. I want to upgrade. Like I've always been one to upgrade to the latest windows. Uh, there's one that, that, uh, Eric is going to love. Yeah. Um, I just sent him the, the new aesthetic he's going to love. Oh, dude, hold on. Let me, let me, 
<laughs> God. Oh, he's making fun of me. Uh, <laughs> hold on, let me download it and show. There you go, dude. Uh, so we, we actually were, he was making fun of me the other day about this, but, uh, basically he, he's making fun of the rounded corners. So like he was saying like how he loves rounded corners on, uh, all the new things, you know, the new fold, round the multi the window, uh, the multi app, multi window thing. They rounded all the corners, you know, made it very clean looking. And I basically was like, you know, did that, was that necessary, dude? Like, did I really... I, I just felt like Missed it was. Missed the boat on that aesthetic, dude. I, I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I was just like, is that really a thing I should give a crap well, about? Um, but, like, I do agree that I like the rounded aesthetic on things. I just. It's nice. It's I, nice. I, I was saying to him, I was like, you know, our, our, is our next computer monitor going to have fucking built in rounded corners? Like, come on. Well, <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? The it, iPad is rounded corners. The design aesthetic in yeah. Mac OS is round. Yeah. Uh, I actually run a third-party application that I saw uh, Quinn from Snazzy Labs recommend that turns off the pixels on the corners of your MacBook to the same radius as the Mac OS apps, and yep. it looks so clean. It looks so good. Uh, the screens in our Tesla have uh, hidden pixels on the corners to make them look more round. Uh, it just kind of it, it just seems the way you know design language is going and dude you're I gonna you're gonna be going to like the AMC theater dude you're gonna have like rounded corner fucking yeah. movies dude yeah. I, I don't know if we'll go that far <laughs> but, but like if you think of like if if you think of it in terms uh, of like of like a user based user application you know like yeah. the, no those I, are wasted pixels anyway so I was all about like the. Not 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 to say bubbly UI, but like I like I've always liked it. There was a phone I, I think that came out. Uh, what was it? I think it was called like the Palm Pre or some shit, and it had like a the bubbly. It had like a more like bubbly uh, UI. I think uh, it was like a custom. Damn, dude, I don't know if it was custom a Palm bubbles, Pre, dude. But it it, it kind of looked more rounded than uh a lot of other devices like it kind of had that aesthetic right, actually i'm gonna right. pull it up dude i have a picture so uh look at this right real quick dude oh, so this goodness. is like this is that but like obviously old um old as crap but like do you see how they do that right like yeah everything's rounded uh this was dude, my first dude, round screen look they round were very screen. uh progressive progressive dude like these guys were ahead of their time dude like uh, other than the old fashioned icons, like they had it on lock, like the, the Palm pre did it first in my eyes. Like the, the first time I've really ever seen it done at that level. Like um, what do they say about fashion? Like how things come back in style and how fashion yeah. repeats itself. You know, there was a time where like this, like yeah. rough angular curves were in, right. Yeah, and now yeah. we're coming back to like those smooth round boys. Yeah. So like, I'm a, I'm a fan of the round stuff, but like, so windows 11, you know, they're taking all the new, it's funny. Cause they're kind of, like uh forced to adopt like the apple stuff you know what i mean it's kind of like look at how square windows 10 is right very square uh i would go as far as to say uh they you know everything everything about it is very boxy uh so now they're kind of like going back and uh and you know i mean to that point you know what's going to get people to switch I think design is probably one of them, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. If they, if, if they like it or don't, yeah. it, it's, it's a change. You know, if yeah. you wake up every morning and, 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 and see the same operating system for five plus years, 
to have a facelift on what you use every day could be exciting and it could be a reason that for people to download it. You know, we're in the minority, dude. You know what I've noticed? Uh, non-tech people, people, non-tech people don't like change, dude. Right. Like, look That's how long point. it took people to get off a of Windows 7 as an example. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like once they get used to something, whenever like Microsoft comes in, it's like, hey, you know that way you're used to doing things? How right. about you do it, it this way? To this day... Uh, there's still some things that I'll go to like uh, the OG uh, like management stuff. Like for example, like sound control panel. Who uses the Windows settings to adjust their sound I control? Know. I still I know. still don't. Like, I to remember, this day. I remember when when Windows 10 first came out. Yeah. And I tried to change my DNS on my computer. <laughs> and that was like the hardest thing. Yeah. It's I like, wanted to change my DNS and set a static IP because I saw them in both places. Right. Um, and, and it, it was mind numbingly difficult. It's like, dude, you used to be able to go control panel and yeah. then like go to network connections and then just bam, you're, you're adjusting it. Now it's like you, they have like a settings menu for networking, but you can't do everything you want in there. So you got to actually open up network connections in some other backwards way. You know what I mean? Like they've gone. And what's really bizarre. Yeah. Not, not to cut you off on that, no. but still to this day, the design language of windows 10 isn't consistent through the whole UI. Because when you go to that yeah. old school control panel to get to it's where you need to go, there. it's yeah. still it, it 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 like opens up in a Windows Seven I window. Know. It's true. Well, that's the problem with Windows is they have all this legacy baggage holding them back from making like a unified experience, and that's what sucks. Um, you know, because like what it is is like it's kind of like a shell on top of a shell on top of a shell yeah. at this point. How it's is Windows Eleven, that. dude? Like, it's funny you mention that because. I watched a YouTube documentary maybe about two months ago and they were talking about like how windows is basically the worst spaghetti code ever. Like, uh, there was apparently a, a window source code, like of windows seven, maybe mm. a couple of years ago. And like, it became a meme of yeah. how patched together windows was as an operating system. Right now. I can't say the same if, if that's the case for windows 11, uh, because the design so far from what I've seen seems pretty consistent, but I can right. tell you just going back to like the old networking screen. Uh, no, no, no. See, it's brand new on Windows 10. Yeah. So okay, so like on Windows 11, you mean? Yeah. So sorry, like, sorry. can can you actually get to any of the old panels, like Control Panel, like Sound Control Panel? Like, do they well, have that Windows you can. Seven? You can, but but the 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 design language is consistent. Are you kidding? So, but, like, can you do me a favor and just, like, open? Like, show me. There. There you show, go. Okay, so you're going to send me. Uh, okay, wow. What am I looking at here? So, I'm going to. I'm gonna. So, okay, I'm looking at. Uh, what am I looking at? Is this, like, your network and sharing center? Is this, like, that's your just, network that's just connections? Right-clicking, that's just right-clicking on the little network icon, the task tray. Wow, this is so much more useful. So, uh, yeah, Ethernet. Yeah. So, if you click on that, can you, like, adjust your uh, adapter I, settings or that anything? That is the or? second screenshot I sent if you want to pull it up. Like I said, it's it's just internal IP, so, so it's nothing Yeah, okay, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, internal IP is not a problem. Um, okay, let me throw it up. Boop. Okay, so so this was, okay, and you can edit everything. So, yeah. you can change your, yeah, right from this here. is good. So this is already a way, way yeah. better. Yeah. Like that's the uh, that's what I wanted out of Windows 10. Like if you're gonna keep this legacy stuff, like build uh, a unified shell around it. 
Like you have the ability to do that. You, I know you can. And then because uh, you asked, uh, there's the now new volume mixer that follows the, the uh, design are language. Are you kidding me? This looks so, so good. Yeah. Hold right, on, dude. guys. Uh, this is this looks so clean. Like I'm super happy with this. This is the new volume mixer, and uh, I know for just the listeners out there, like this does not look like Windows Seven. This looks like a clean. You know, you know, I'm kind of, these corners are a little sharp. Actually, are they rounded? Are these rounded? Yeah, they oh are. Oh my yeah, they God, are. they are. Look oh. at that round, dude. That Let is... me show you the sound settings. <laughs> dude, this is exciting stuff, uh, isn't this it? Is, this is, no, honestly, this is, this is a uh, way better of a topic than I thought. Like, I didn't expect to see these, uh, these changes. Uh, I thought like you would be, um, you know, much in the way of Windows 10 yeah, where no. you don't really have which, like significant UI. Uh, which comes back full circle, right? So like when you see these changes, it kind of makes sense, right? It kind of makes sense why they yeah. wanted to say. I'm excited about yeah. it now. Like before I was like, okay, well, dude, like I've seen Microsoft, dude. I know what you're going to do. It's going to suck. But like this actually gets me hyped for it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm bored with Windows. Like I want it. Mac OS is my preferred uh, operating Same. system. Same. Uh, you know, I really like using it. Uh, just uh, uh, you know, from a usability perspective, uh, it's just clean. It's uh, consistent, and I like it uh, a lot. Uh, but like this is going to go a long way for me. Like to use uh, Windows and just have an enjoyable time with it. Uh, as somebody that uses Windows uh, a lot uh, at work, I kind of I'm kind of like done with it, dude. I'm yeah, kind of more angry at Windows yeah. than I am happy with Windows now. So like, you know, I kind of use Mac OS to get away from it. Okay, so you just sent me another. This is like just right clicking, right? That's just right clicking. Look, look at the yeah. uh, little icons. Like they're all like really nice looking. <sighs> yeah, it's all rounded. Like I I don't know. I can get behind this. I, I didn't think I'd be as hyped, dude. Like, this is it's good. Nice. It's really nice. So, you know, I'll give it to Microsoft, dude. They might be able to pull off. Like, this might be a reason to upgrade for me if they can uh, if they can fix some of the Windows 10 gripes I have. And uh, not to spend too much longer on this topic, but like... Wait till you see this, dude. Wait till you see this. Because oh, no. I, was, I was dumbfounded by this. Oh, wait a minute. You're sending me a display thing. So let me download Look at what it tells you for peak brightness. Wait a minute, dude. I think I was just about to mention this too. Hold on. So we're looking at his display information. Wait a minute. It says peak brightness, 1500 nits. Yeah. Is it, how does it know? I don't know. I don't know. That's but but that's okay. really helpful. Yeah, color space <laughs> HDR. So this yeah. is what I was gonna say, guys. Like, oh, it's even says HDR certification. This is unreal, guys. Uh, when Windows HDR support is one of the big downsides for me about Windows 10. I feel like it could be better, and like this is encouraging. Like, if they can fix how HDR works on Windows 10, uh, I think that that'll be really nice. Uh, so the fact that they're really caring about HDR on uh, for you know, in their interface, like that's impressive. If you can yeah. figure out peak brightness, cause this is one of the problems with HDR This this could be a whole segment in and of itself, HDR, but like most HDR content, like HDR content on windows 10 doesn't have, has no clue what kind of HDR display you have. It's just right, assuming right. this is why you have to calibrate for every single game that you play. And hope that each game has good calibration tools 
to get good HDR experience. There's so many bad HDR experiences out there where you're not even it's not even worth using it in some cases. I know Red Dead Redemption 2 was one of those. Uh, uh it might be okay now, but like with outsiders out, outsiders you have to turn HDR off on as well. That's that's sad. So what we want to see is OS level uh support for HDR. Maybe in the next DirectX they can integrate that with uh windows 11 and and have a like a really good hdr experience because i i don't think i'm alone here in saying that hdr is like a significant boon to gaming i i absolutely right. love hdr i think it's like one of the coolest uh things coming out of display technologies in the past 10 years um the first time i got flash banged like a thousand nits peak brightness in uh, call of duty like that was it dude i was like <laughs> I, i'm sold on hdr so yeah, Windows 11, dude. I'm really yeah. excited to see, like, you know, if they can they can pull it off, dude. Like, I'm hyped for it. It'll be exciting. It It'll be exciting. So let's go ahead uh, and move on to Cyberpunk 2077. Do you do you remember that game, Din? I do. do you, did uh, you play that game, Din? I did play that game. Did to you? Completion. You did. Uh, I see. I, did. I didn't actually beat it. I I, I got too close um, to the end, and then I stopped. Uh, this is a, spo- a spoiler-free video, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we just want to really touch on the fact that it was recently in the bargain bin for $10. A uh, little bit, almost year to date, a, a year after coming out. And yep. $10, dude. You see games that never wrong? go on sale. Like, look at, like, all the Call of Duties and stuff. Look at anything Nintendo makes. Yeah, especially, good point, dude. If you want, like, Super Mario Odyssey today, like, you're probably still paying, like, 60 bucks, right? Yeah. So, like, well, Nintendo's notorious. They never really go on major sale. But right. uh, right. to see the game, like, that everybody was, like, mega hyped on, like, this yeah. game should still be, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, and- damn. Like we just, fall we from just want to touch on this, and... yeah. Like we just want to touch on this briefly because it was kind of a shocker to me. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, like you know, this game was like, I need to build a new computer. I yeah. need to, you know, be ready for when this game comes out. Yeah. And I was ready. Cyberpunk was not ready. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, it um, wasn't ready, dude. Uh, you know, it's disappointing. This was supposed to be like our can it run crisis type of game like this was supposed to be the benchmark uh nothing else comes close like full ray tracing support fucking we we wanted to play 4k hdr high refresh fucking beautiful gaming experience top of the line gaming experience get your rtx 3090 out because you're gonna need it experience like and it kind of fell flat dude like tell me like you know did you have as many issues as maybe some of the console people did because that, that, so, that was where it was so maybe worse. We probably didn't have as many issues. Uh, just just for you know, point of reference, uh, uh, Eric has a Zen 3 processor and a 3080. Uh, yep. I have a Zen 2 processor and a 3090, uh, all underwater. I run, it's a 3090 Strix with EVGA Kingpin Bio, so I have no power limit on my graphics card. And I thought the game ran well, yeah. but again, uh, I, I I am very 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 small minority. Yeah. Where I did have problems was, uh, and, and and I'll try to keep this as vague as possible, but there is a scene where uh, you have to fight someone who comes up an elevator, and my save point where it saves me um, every time I would load in, the NPC I had to fight would just fall through the elevator. 
and I couldn't progress the game. Ah, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so I basically had, had to go back about two hours after my frustration levels were, you know, through the roof. I put the I I, I put the game down for a couple months, uh, yeah. and I and I eventually came back and beat it. But as far as like uh, AI bugs and 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 bugs where where, where things would just fall through the earth, yeah, or even combat, like. Like like the combat, it was brainless combat because the 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 AI was non-existent. No, you know, it and, should have been way and, better. And it sucks because the world design and was so good. It was like, so good. Like some of the scenes yeah. in that game are breathtaking. Literally, uh, you know, they it's it's really like you can tell there's been some love and care put in in key parts of this game. Yeah, and uh, so. Like I respect it for that. Like absolutely, uh, you know, and and I actually enjoyed a lot of my playtime with the game. Same, same. Uh, you know, I as PC gamers were fortunate because we had the least buggy version, uh, true, and we true. had top tier PCs, so we had uh, basically the best chance uh, possible to play it without issues. And I I had issues. I remember this one time I went and grabbed a guy in the game, and like when I grabbed him. Like I kind of like flew off into the air, yeah. like it was hilarious, yeah. and I, yeah. I hit a building and then fell and died, and I was like, okay, that's yeah, a so, thing. So, uh, I guess what we're getting at is, 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 is like the game inherently has problems. It does. So when you compound that with the majority of people who are probably playing it on console, where from my understanding the game ran at like a solid seventeen FPS yeah. on a PlayStation Four, I could see why it's in the bargain. Yeah, I mean that's why you know Sony, uh, you know they took it off their store on their right. off their eShop or whatever, uh, which is kind of a, a world first for them uh, to do that. And uh, you know, and another world first is the refunds. Right. Like they typically have a zero refund policy, uh, but like you know with Cyberpunk, it was it was kind of a big uh, exception to that. Uh, you know, and to see them, uh, to see the backlash, to see. You know, all the, especially because they were trying to get this game on last gen consoles. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, it ran so bad. Um, like, how did you put a game out like this? You know, I'm not surprised to see it for $10 at Best Buy. Right, right. Um, and now, and now it's ironic because, like what you said, right? Like, no one's going to trust CD Projekt Red again. Like, no. like, like the, the damage done to their reputation is awful. And that sucks coming off of the Witcher three. Yeah. So, and we just got done. Like it's hard to quantify reputation and like, uh, your brand, but like they, they really tarnished it with this move. Uh, yeah. The management that saw this game and was like, we're putting this out. Uh, shocking, uh, shocking, absolutely shocking. It was not ready on the consoles. It was I think it really shows you too, that, um, uh, Pushing a game out to get it out the door is not the right move. No. And uh, we should learn from this as gamers that a major red flag is when companies put a review embargo on uh, set to launch day. Yeah. Because that's what CD Projekt did with Cyberpunk. Because they knew. They, knew, they knew that if anyone reviewed this game, it would get a 6 yeah. out of like 20. Which is very like they were banking on like those pre-orders they were banking on those like day one sales they right. didn't want to impact that stuff they knew it was going to come out the backlash was going to come out and to to get ahead of that they were like no embargo dates the day of launch yeah so yeah that's ridiculous that's a huge red flag nobody should pre-order games realistically right uh i still it, do that, I, I still do too do I'm a as hypocrite. Not as do. yeah 100 yeah. percent. like i you know whenever we pre-order a game we kind of know we're rolling the dice on it uh, to a degree, 
Uh, and, and we definitely do. Like, I've made dumb gaming decisions in my day. Like, for example, uh, uh, Star Citizen. Like, I feel like I was pretty dumb to even put money into that. I bought a boat or a ship in that boat, dude. Yeah, a boat, dude. <laughs> no, I... Sail the seven... <laughs> I bought I bought a ship in Star Citizen. Yeah, I think it was like a three hundred dollars ship. Yeah, same here, dude. Uh, I'll never see it. I forgot what I bought. Dude. I think I got like a three hundred fifty dollars. I forgot what I bought. Fucking, phoenix or whatever the hell it is constellation phoenix is what i got actually at least you remember dude. Uh, well you know because I, I did uh download and play around with it uh for a little bit uh before they came out with whatever they got now for it. but it's like not even a game dude like no uh i you know like i follow demo, so. it's still a tech demo it's still like you know they're adding stuff but it's like it's been how many years now and that's been the biggest scam in gaming like i you know I, <laughs> so like to see cd project red like come you know really stoop to like their freaking uh level it's kind of a shame right right anyway guys i think that's been it for uh episode three of the technostatic podcast thanks for coming yeah thanks guys thanks for coming and uh you know just uh this was a fun episode fun episode lots of topics this episode and uh if you want to leave us feedback or anything check out technostatic.com and uh shoot us an email you know we're interested in your feedback and any kind of topic suggestions, just uh, leave them there as well. So uh, see you guys next week on the Technostatic Podcast. And uh, yeah, it's been a good one. Have a good one.